0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Watch Time. As our country continues to shift to spending more time online, interacting on social media, holding meetings, hangouts, and even streaming videos and movies, this presents an opportunity for marketers to not only advertise on these platforms, but it allows them to target their ideal client. We have now switched into an area of narrowcasting instead of broadcasting. You know, Back when television and movies first came out, a lot of times they would play ads before a movie, and you know, if you can remember, they're still doing it now on television. They're playing ads and commercials in between shows, and that's considered broadcasting. A lot of it's because they're just trying to reach out to a, and appeal to a broad audience of people. With the analytics and social media allowing us to narrow cast, it's really allowing marketers to refine their message and speak to people directly. People want customized experiences, videos, messages, and ads. Todd Hartley from Video Marketing Mastery, which is a great podcast. If you hadn't had the opportunity to check it out, definitely go and search for it. Todd talks a lot about video marketing. He has many, many years of experience, and he talks about many relevant topics and interviews many prominent people in the field. So Todd has dubbed this era what he and his team at Wirebuzz like to call the Netflix economy, and nothing can be further from the truth. So with all the noise on the internet. How are brands cutting through to reach their target market? They are doing this by starting with strategy first. At Flex Media, this is something that we are constantly talking to our clients about. We are working with them to identify two key things before we even put pen to paper to write their video script. The first thing we tell them is to determine who is your ideal audience? Who is the video speaking to on the other side of the internet? The second thing we advise them to figure out is what is the desired outcome of this video? What action should your buyer be taking? Are we collecting emails? having them make a purchase, helping educate them. Once you identify these two key things, then you can start to create media geared towards your target market. Out of all the audiences out there, there are two that our clients always struggle to talk to and reach, and that's Millennials and Generation Z. So rather than throwing a bunch of stats and information at you, we decided we would interview someone that reaches out to these audiences regularly. On today's episode of Watch Time, we talked with Ashley Bezel Ecken, president of Engage Cleveland, a large young professional organization in Cleveland, Ohio. Engage Cleveland's mission is to attract and retain young professionals to the greater Cleveland area by hosting networking and professional events, as well as using both print and digital marketing tactics. Let's jump into the interview with Ashley right after this. You're listening to Watch Time, supercharged video marketing tips for the savvy small business owner and the modern mid-market professional. With Flex Media's
1: Kathy Zip and Bill Verona
0: welcome back i'm bill barona
1: and i'm kathy zip
0: and today we're going to be talking about marketing to millennials and generation z a hot topic that's on the minds of so many marketers and business owners out there our clients are always asking how to reach those two generations and what's the silver bullet to creating videos to turn them into prospects and leads
1: we're going to start off and tell you that just like anything in marketing, there's no silver bullet, but there are some things that you can do to try to make sure that your message is optimized to reach these target markets.
0: That's right, Kathy. And to help us learn more, we have Ashley Bessel ecken president of Engage Cleveland, to help us out. Hello, Ashley. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi, Kathy and Bill. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. So I think a good place to start off with is just telling everyone a little bit about your background. Um, I know you're not originally from Cleveland, so how you got to be working with Engage Cleveland and become the president of the organization.
2: Yeah, so I am originally from Ohio. i from Boardman. Um, it's the largest kind of town nearby would be Youngstown, Ohio. Um, I moved to Cleveland after I finished up my MBA for my first position at a nonprofit sort of hybrid um, called the Fund for Economic Future. I worked in economic development for uh, about three and a half years, kind of growing throughout the organization and into different positions, and was sort of looking for my next move. And a couple of the board members at Engage Cleveland uh, knew me. They were looking for someone to start the organization sort of from scratch, Um, knew that I had helped a lot at the fund with transitioning it out of uh being a part of the Cleveland Foundation into a five hundred one c three, and encouraged me to apply. So I threw my name in the hat, and uh, that was almost eight years ago.
1: That's awesome, and and just so a little bit of background too. You know, we we work with um, you know Engage Cleveland. I've actually volunteered for the organization um, for a few years now, and so it's it's a really awesome organization making a difference in Cleveland. And again, there's nobody better to talk to about. What millennials and Gen Z are looking for um, than Ashley here, because she knows. So I know um, part of why you know you have that insight is because you actually gather data on young professionals in the Cleveland area. You know you, you do reports. And so um, your organization kind of looks at stats nationally as well compared to what's going on in the city. So first of all, if you can maybe start by, I mean, I feel like people now should know, you know, millennials versus Gen Z, but maybe they don't. So if you can kind of define what those two audiences are and what are some of the fundamental differences that you've seen between them?
2: Sure. Yeah, so Engage Cleveland has taken um, research under our belt within the past couple of years, um, and it's really been kind of twofold. So Generation Z has entered the workforce, and they are quite different than millennials, so we've been trying to understand that generation. And then in addition, a lot of the studies that you see out there um, around millennials and Generation Z are national data, and um, it's nothing has really been focused on Cleveland. So we decided to look Um, Here, sort of more of a micro level and really look at the data. Um, So there are a lot of differences out there between uh, millennials and Generation Z. I think the most important thing to note is the era that they grew up in. Um, This seems to really matter. So millennials grew up in a generation where things in in terms of technology were sort of just getting started. Um, Many millennials will remember sort of dial-up internet and uh, big box TVs. Generation Z was born later, and so when they were born, everything was sort of up and running the way that we kind of know it to be now. Um, They grew up with the internet at their fingertips, so they expect things um, a lot more quickly. Um, They're less focused because they're used to multitasking between all of these different technologies. Um, In addition, I think price is a big differential between the two. Um, Millennials are much more price conscious because of the Great Recession that we saw Um, Many millennials were getting out of school, out of master's programs, and having a really hard time finding positions. Um, Generation Z has been much more fortunate in this area, and uh, therefore, they are also less likely to want to work for corporate America. Um, They are much more entrepreneurial, want to work for themselves, um, and they're also less likely to go to college because they believe there's a lot of good positions out there that don't require a degree. Um, And lastly, I'd say Generation Z, um, they're just more global because everything has been at their fingertips, so they're much more individualized. Um, They really are looking for just the world is sort of their oyster. Um, It's a little bit different than how millennials view the world.
0: That's really interesting, Ashley, because I feel like when you think about especially like what's going on right now, I, I feel... Millennials might kind of be looking at this pandemic and kind of seeing the opportunities to um, maybe go back to like what they were practicing, you know, in 2008 versus seeing how Gen Z is going to come out of this. And I'm just curious to even see how this is going to shape Generation Z into the future, if it's going to change any of their, their thought processes or outlooks based on like some of these different things you were talking about.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, all of the data uh, to date on Generation Z kind of really talks about, um, you know, the mass school shootings and things is what is really going to define them. Um, But clearly, the pandemic that we're going through right now is is a part of their upbringing. Um, But we're already talking about potentially uh, Generation V for virus and the coronials. Um, So I think people, you know, may even forget that this is really touching Generation Z and really moving on to how is it affecting uh, even younger, you know, individuals who are are currently you know school aged and younger
0: that's interesting too because like that's something i just saw uh, an article on speaking of that the other day where they were talking about how because to me i would think that it wouldn't be a big deal that you know the kids are out of school for a few months i think back to like when i was in school and i don't know if both of you feel the same way but i'm like man i would have loved to have had a couple extra months like to be at home now granted i don't have kids so i'm not looking at it from the parents perspective but you, you know reading that article and seeing how they're like this is going to change how and change and affect how they are going to be thinking in the future and just like even like getting out of work and going to college. So what you're saying is interesting. I'm really interested to see like what kind of data comes from even that generation.
2: Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see um, kind of how things shake out. I think, you know, right now obviously high school seniors, um, you know, this is kind of devastating for them because they're kind of missing all those final special moments. Um, But if you really think about some of the other ages and things as well, you know, I have a preschooler who's in preschool for the first time and, you know, she's completely unbothered and doesn't completely understand what's going on. But, you know, I feel bad for someone her age because she's missing out on her first, you know, school experience. And, um, you know, she's just kind of started to get socialized and, you know, learning new things and, you know, it's all just being um, cut short. And I think, parents are doing the best that they can to normalize this. Um, but let's just be honest, it's not normal for your parents to be working full time and trying to teach you. Um, that's why, you know, we have educators. So yeah, it'll, all be definitely really interesting to see how everything sort of shakes out and and what happens come fall. Um, and even the next couple of months if kids go back to school or not.
1: Right. I think there's going to be, yeah, like you said, effects that we don't even know yet. So, um, Let's talk about, you know, going back to just regular life, you know, <laughs> besides the pandemic. Um, you know, how how have, have you found any barriers when you are, you know, Engage Cleveland is trying to uh, break through and communicate with either group? Um, I know, you know, that's something that is very, you know, key to, you know, targeting your audience. so So what are some of the barriers that you see when trying to communicate with either one? And then how have you helped develop solutions that you have found uh, helpful in in trying to reach those audiences?
2: Sure. So I think one of the best ways to look at this is from a social media perspective. Um, Right now, everything is just sort of content overload. Um, It was definitely like that before the pandemic. And it is even worse now, but everyone's at home and everyone's, you know, kind of on the internet um, because there's really no place else to go. Um, what we have found that really sort of works to break through the barriers is figuring out a way to stand out, being really unique in your messaging and your communications. Um, Gen Z, again, is this generation that everything is digital. Um, So when you're targeting that demographic, you have to have content that is very timely Um, it's very different than what millennials are interested in and what they're looking at so for an organization like us at engage where we're focused on young professionals um, we're trying to actually target both of those demographics and so a lot of our social media messaging as well as things on our website and marketing both need to be a little bit different to ensure that we can touch both Um, you know, again, millennials, I think they're a little bit used to seeing more content and um, being able to break down that content where Generation Z, they view it more as like being entertained and uh, they want to watch things. That's why we're seeing more of, you know, the Instagram stories and um, TikTok and, you know, all of these different things that, you know, if you talk to most millennials, you know, they're not, they're not on some of those platforms. They've kind of stayed more traditional. Um, So it's, Definitely a different way um, to connect with them. Um, you know, I think another piece around just sort of general advertising is Generation Z really views their social media as um, their personal sort of space. So they don't want to see tons of advertising. Um, so sometimes more traditional advertising like outdoor signage and things of that nature, um, magazines, uh, newspapers actually work a little bit better with them uh, because they don't want someone sort of invading their personal space as the way that they view it, you know, with ads on things like social media.
1: That is such an interesting comment, you know, kind of going back to paper and print when when um, you know, because it it it, they look at it as again, like even though their profile is available to the world, that's not somewhere where they want to see. Um, advertisements. So that's really interesting that that still has a place, especially with Gen Z. Um, Is there anything else that you have found helpful to be uh, effective in breaking through to those barriers? I know, you know, you have um, content online, but then you also have some in-person initiatives as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think the biggest piece is really having champions of your work who will help to share that content um, and maybe add their own personal touch or personal message to it. Um, we definitely know that helps to engage millennials. Um, millennials really are looking for someone else who has already bought in um, to you know, share a little bit with them. Um, one of the things that Engage Cleveland has done related to, let's say, our in-person events is... Doing a social media blitz day and asking everybody involved with our organization to share the same message on the same date so that people are seeing that message constantly, there's some validity behind it. It's, hey, you know, this is sort of peer pressure and all of my friends and contacts are doing this Then hey, what is this? I better take a peek. Um, With Generation Z, we found that, you know, whatever we can share with them, that sort of very innovative, um, cutting edge, behind the scenes, um, is really helpful. So sometimes we'll just, you know, jump on quick and do uh, some videos of what's going on in our office, what's going on behind the scenes, Um, if a big event's coming up, you know, showing off some of the collateral, things of that nature, um, that seems to work better with, with them. And then, you know, we really, in terms of having advocates, um, determined that, you know, for a long time, Engaged Cleveland just had the option to come to our events. Um, We know that these younger generations don't really enjoy membership models as much. Um, They are a little bit more free spirited and don't necessarily like sort of being put in a box, if you will, Um, but they are looking for true engagement. So um, we did a couple of things. Um, One is that we developed an employer membership model. And so we're working with employers from all different sizes. industries. We have nonprofit members, for-profit members, and we are working through their companies to engage them in our work. Um, So that kind of, I think, adds a level of relevancy and validity that, hey, if my company thinks that this organization is important and they're trying to share messaging with me, then I should probably listen. Um, Additionally, we found some folks who have become huge advocates of Engage um, by signing up to be a part of our leadership council. Um, so our leadership council is comprised of all young professionals, Generation Z and millennials, who are really interested in promoting Cleveland as a great place to live and work for other young professionals. And so they've become additional spokespersons of our work and are really out there helping helping to champion our message as well.
0: That's really interesting approach, getting like by using the leadership council, and then actually, um, using the employer membership to try mm-hmm. and one, get people engaged that way by, um, by either their employer or by telling them like, Hey, come have a seat at the table and kind of work with us to shape this. I think that's really cool. Um, one thing I was curious about though, um, just, in t- just thinking about like what you were saying about, uh, generation Z and millennials. And-, and I just know from being a millennial, I feel like a lot of my millennial friends, and even myself, like there's this great need, and I don't know if this is a millennial thing or maybe, maybe it's just an everybody thing, but this need to kind of give back and just kind of do more philanthropic things, or maybe even just try and teach or educate more. Is that the case that you see with millennials is generation Z similar to that and are millennials also similar to that?
2: Yeah, so I would say um, we actually, I would say just personally, like on an anecdotal basis that yes, I would say millennials are very philanthropic. They're very involved civically, they want to give back. And I would say that um, is definitely there for millennials. And I would say with Generation Z, it's there, but it's kind of pivoted a bit. So Generation Z is a little bit more interested in large scale things. So how is my company a, a good corporate citizen? What are they doing? Do I want to work at a company um, that I don't believe in their mission and they don't share the same beliefs as me? So they've kind of taken it more to, I'd say, a macro level as far as, you know, I want the company that I work for to believe in the same things that I do and to support the community, um, where millennials ha- have been a little bit more individualistic. Um, so if you think of things like, you know, when um, I remember when I first moved to Cleveland, you know, there's um, a really large nonprofit that does uh you know, campaign strategies where you donate a portion of your paycheck. And I remember that didn't sit well with a lot of my millennial friends. And they said, well, we don't want to just have this taken out of our paychecks. We want to do things where we're actually giving back our personal, you know, if our personal dollars are involved, we want to know where those dollars are going. We want to make those decisions ourselves. Um, you know, we want to give our expertise. We want to give our time. And I think there's definitely been a, a change with both of the generations, with the way nonprofits and the community broadly are looking at how you engage them um, you know, in the work. And I think you know both generations are very philanthropic. It's just done in slightly different um, variations. As part of our State of the Young Professional Community Survey that we um, produced in 2018 and 2019, we saw that civic engagement and just being a part of the community were very important to both Generation Z and millennials. Um, And it was everything from giving back personally to giving their time to giving sort of their talent and treasures, as we call it in the nonprofit world. Um, And that was, you know, their expertise. So, you know, young professionals wanting to um, help with social media because they know that better than uh, older generations, uh, maybe helping with some graphic design or some website work. And so we're definitely seeing that loud and clear across the board.
0: And that's great advice to everyone listening to like that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to you know, have you share so much about Generation Z and Millennials specifically and not just, you know, video or digital marketing related only because I feel like if somebody's trying to develop a message that's listening, that's one thing that you might want to consider if you're trying to reach Millennials and Generation Z is, you know, what is your company's mission and, you know, what are you trying to do? Because I feel like that's going to play a huge role into whether or not they're going to buy into your service, buy into your product or even get involved in your organization.
2: Yep, absolutely.
0: So going from there, maybe jumping into social media a little bit, I know you guys have a large social media presence. I know you use a lot of social media as well as in-person opportunities and events to kind of engage everyone. But uh, how often are you posting on social media and what types of content and have you found uh, certain content? I know you mentioned kind of earlier certain content worked better for millennials or Generation Z. Could you kind of expand on that a little bit more?
2: Sure, absolutely. So we know social media is really important to touching both Generation Z and Millennials. Um, We are still on sort of the the signature four, I guess, platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. we are trying to post at least once a day across all four of those platforms, um, but even more if we have the capacity to do so. Um, We're a small team. Um, There's only uh, two full-time, one part-time, and we have um, an amazing intern that's with us as well. And we each take a little bit of a stab of doing some of our social posting. Um, We really try to use the platforms and the way they were designed. So with LinkedIn, you know, we're focused primarily on, you know, some of our upcoming events that are educational-based, really reaching out to our employer members and their young professional staffs, um, sharing different opportunities. We have a job board, we have civic engagement board. Um, So all of those really educational learning work type things are are shared on LinkedIn, um, on Facebook and Instagram. We're posting a lot about our upcoming events, um, different Cleveland news, headlines, uh, things of that nature. Um, We're trying to use Instagram to, you know, again, we really focus on a lot of photos and videos. Um, We try to go live on our Instagram account. Um, All of that really just helps us to engage with both Generation Z and millennials. And then with Twitter, you know, it's it's probably the hardest one for us to sort of stay on top of because there's so many tweets and so much stuff happening um, that, you know, a tweet once a day isn't going to get us, you know, in front of our, you know, nearly 14,000 followers on a consistent enough basis. So we're trying to also share their um, quick little tips, information about signing up for our events, um, quotes, advice. And then we really take this. Um, to our in-person events as well. And so while we're at our in-person events, we're trying to showcase um, everything that we're doing across those platforms as well, really trying to use social media to to build that bridge if someone can't be there in person. And so we have found that it's all working really well. And I would say the things that work best are really those photos and videos to really engage those young professionals.
0: Do you find that the um, that any of the live video seems to work a little bit better than you know, standard video that you're uploading or are you finding that um is there a specific platform you're using live? I know you said Instagram, but I, I didn't know if you're using it on Facebook as well. Like is there either one of those platforms that seem to do a little bit better job at pushing live video to your uh, audience?
2: Yeah, we definitely find that Instagram does the best job at pushing the live video. I think it's just, you know, it's it's the way that platform was designed. It's what people are looking for and what their, ex, um, their expectation is. And so the more that we've put there, I think that the more results that we're seeing, I would also say Instagram gives us probably the highest level of engagement as well when it comes to people that are actually, you know, clicking and liking and viewing. Um, it just does a little bit better for us than um, Facebook does.
0: And one thing I wanted to add to that too, and I don't know if, if you or anyone in your staff knows this too, Ashley, but I actually was just doing some research and was finding this out for, um, a blog that we put together recently. And actually this podcast that we just put out the, uh, Instagram TV podcast, and that's actually the audience on Instagram. So one thing that I found interesting was Instagram was an app that was actually being used by, it seemed like millennials and generation Z. It was pretty equal. Um, across the board on who was using it. And I think that's kind of interesting that your um, actual results are kind of reflecting what that was showing um, when I was doing that research. And then going from there, if we could talk a little bit too, just about if there's anything that you find work like particularly better for Generation Z versus millennials um, in your actual social media campaigns, or even if it's if it's like print marketing or anything like that, if you're finding something works better than, than the other.
2: Sure, so again, we work with young professionals and right now that is primarily millennials. Um, And we have found that they're really inclined to reshare information that we're doing. So we're really engaging with them um, on social media. Um, They really rely on our trust and reliability. So we're really utilizing them to lead to higher engagement. Um, We also try to spend a lot of time posting real photos and videos um, from a lot of our programs. And these videos and um, photos are also shared with in a variety of ways. So we use them on our website. Um, Our website actually still gets quite a bit of foot traffic. Um, So we're trying to, again, have like a consistent message and a consistent brand. So our social media matches our website, um, which also matches all of our printed marketing collateral. And then additionally, we have a lot of partnerships with different organizations in the Cleveland community, um, be it, you know, television, radio, print. And we also are sharing those same pieces within those organizations so that when you're looking out at what Engage Cleveland is doing, you're getting a consistent message, a consistent brand seeing you know, the same type of events, um, the same type of photos, videos, so that you can really understand what our role is and what we're trying um, to do. So I think it's been really helpful for us um, to have that consistent brand and consistent message so that if you're seeing it in multiple places, it's very clear what we're doing. And again, to touch all of the different stakeholders that we're trying to reach, um, you know, in addition to Generation Z and Millennials, we also work with employers and the decision makers are typically older generations. So it could be a Generation X or even a baby boomer. And so, you know, they're probably not spending as much time on social media, but they may be picking up a print issue of one of the, you know, Cleveland magazines. And we're making sure that that information is shared there as well.
0: That's one thing that I find really interesting about Engage Cleveland and everything that you guys are doing. And I didn't really think of it like, I guess, in its entirety until you just put it that way. But, you know, your primary goal is to engage with young professionals and, you know, try and uh, attract them and retain them to the Cleveland area. But what's interesting about your employer membership is outside of the millennials and Generation Z who kind of fit that young professional demographic you also have like you said generation x and the baby boomers and i didn't even think about it until now just how you do kind of have to engage four different audiences so a lot of the business owners mm-hmm. that are listening they're doing the same thing you know with the various audiences that they might be going after for their product or service and you guys are doing it too as an organization and you're doing it really well in my opinion
2: well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's definitely a bit challenging um, when you're trying to reach very different audiences with a similar message. So we spent a lot of time um, working with um, our marketing staff and our marketing committee to really ensure that we're representing all of those voices. So we go through different personas, and you know, if we're trying to reach a director of HR, what type of messaging and communication should we be going after? Versus what if we're trying to reach an entry level new hire, and what does that look like? And so again, the brand and messaging is pretty consistent. Um, but we're, we're slightly tweaking that content and those messages to ensure that we are you know, hitting all of the audiences and giving them the type of content and the message that would resonate best with them. Um, you know, to use an example of, of one of our events, You know, we do a, an event every year um, in November um, called Lead CLE, and it's a professional development conference. You know, we're trying to sell employers, um, it could be a business owner, it could be, you know, an HR department on, hey, this is a terrific professional development opportunity for your staff. So we're positioning that in one way. And then we also have to think about, okay, what about that young professional that's staying at first, we have to position it in a slightly different way so that they want to take that to their boss and ask, you know, can I participate in this? Or, you know, if it's somebody that um, doesn't work for an employer that supports professional development efforts, that they're going to want to attend and make that decision independently. So, we're always kind of trying to think through our different customers and how do we reach each one and make sure that the message, you know, fits nicely.
0: And one thing I wanted to add to, to what you were saying, just for anybody listening, just in case they're not sure, because Kathy and I, uh, we plan on doing an actual episode on this, or at least bringing somebody on to talk about it. But for anyone listening a persona that Ashley's talking about is just basically your, your ideal client, but it's taking it a step further. So you're actually looking at somebody specifically and it's actually looking at their demographics or psychographics and really understanding what motivates that person you know to buy what are their pain points what gets them to be passionate about something so that's a, a great strategy that you guys are taking to look at all these different people in these different age groups and the different personas you need to engage with and that's that's mm-hmm. amazing that you're doing that thank you i know that we've been working with you for like the last year and a half we've been helping you kind of create some different video content and i don't know you know how much of this you can speak to yet because video is a long-term strategy and it's kind of been slowly being implemented but are you seeing that video is helping at all reach millennials or generation z and kind of what are you seeing as results from that
2: absolutely i think it's happening 110 percent um i think that a lot of generation z and millennials are visual learners they like to see things they like to hear things um they really like to be present and so um we have been working you know with all of you guys at Flex Media to have you record, um, the different events that we're doing and then working on, you know, cutting out snippets of those. And we have those on our website, on our social media, et cetera. And it is so incredibly helpful to show people what we do. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I'm sitting in a meeting with a, a company that's looking at engage and saying, Hey, we really are having a hard time attracting and engaging, uh, millennials to our company. We, we want to hire, you know, individuals and we just don't know how we can get them to stay. And, you know, we're coming in to really help them in that regard and really be an extension of their internal efforts, and when I can click a button and show them, hey, do you want to see what our professional development you know, events are like? Do you want to see what some of our social and networking events are like? And be able to click a button and show you know, a, a minute and a half to two minute video. Um, people very quickly get the idea of not only what the event is, but how their staff would participate. Um, when we're doing you know, different interviews, it's, it's a true testimonial when you're hearing that firsthand from that attendee, how great their experience was and what they looked forward to. And I I think hearing it in people's own words is incredibly powerful and just very uplifting. So I think it has it has helped us tremendously um, with our organization. I also just from my perspective as I'm going in and you know meeting with, we have um, nearly a hundred member companies and we're constantly you know going out to meetings and bringing on new members. It's really nice to be able to click a button and let someone see something and let it speak for itself versus me trying to have to explain you know this is what the run of the day looks like and this is what somebody would get out of it. Um, so I think for us it has helped 110 um, percent. And you know what I I would. Say say as well as you know typically when we're in our meetings and we have those decision makers there you know the business owner the ceo the director of hr but we also have their young professional staff because typically it's a joint decision um you know when they're they're working together to make sure that all of this is relevant and so i think the video resonates with both of those audiences really well
1: we are so glad to hear that Ashley. I know when we were originally working with you, you know, you had all these awesome events and you know, I had attended some and and I knew, you know, how great they could be, but you're right when you're talking to a person that hasn't been to one. Um, you know, photos can only do so much and you don't really get mm-hmm. The whole idea of what the event is like. So um, I'm I'm so glad that that's working for you. Um, really quick, can you can you t- let's talk about events a little bit more? Can you touch on you know what your signature events look like just briefly for the year to kind of show the diversity within your events?
2: Sure, so Engage Cleveland has six events. Um, We do five a year, Um, one rotates, it's every other year. Um, So we have, uh, the first event that we do is called Lunch with Leaders. We have young professionals that get to sit down with um, C-level executives in the community. So that could be anything from a nonprofit executive director to a CEO, to a managing partner at a law firm or accounting firm. And they get to ask their questions and really have a very um, interactive discussion. Um, Our second event is called Next Generation of Women. We focus on women in their 20s and 30s who are emerging in their careers. We have more experienced seasoned women who come and give them advice and tips um, so that they can grow both personally and professionally in their careers. Um, Our third event is probably the one we're most well known for, it's our Young Professionals Week event. Um, We spend about seven to eight days uh, in the summer and plan 30 plus different events and programs all over the greater Cleveland area to really engage college students and young professionals in everything that our community has to offer. We do everything from fitness events to lunch and learns to networking events and behind the scenes. And then the next event that we do, um, this one rotates every other year is we have our State of the Young Professional Community Event. Um, This is the research and the data that we work to attained from the young professional community and then we report that out. Um, We will not be doing that event this year. We'll bring it back in 2021. Um, The event that we'll have this year is inaugural new event for us. We have our Generation Next Awards where we are honoring um, companies and individuals that are doing a tremendous job at attracting, engaging and retaining talent to their companies and really helping to advance it. And then lastly, we have LEAD CLE, which is our professional development conference. It's a two-day conference um, geared at all different um, types of young professionals, um, both sort of early in their careers, mid-career, um, who are looking for skills to develop and grow.
1: Thank you for going through those. I, I know that, you know, that was a, a little bit of a mouthful, but I have to say your your elevator pitches for each event are really on. <laughs> you got those down. But, <laughs> Thank um, you. So, yeah, just to show the diversity in the events that you do, so kind of combining the next two points, have you found ways that have been really successful to reach out to your audience to get higher attendance to those events? And, you know, I don't even know if like the tactics kind of depend on what event specifically you're hosting.
2: Sure. So in addition to some of the things we've already mentioned, like social media and video, um, what we have found to be really helpful is word of mouth. So having people that come to the events and then go back and tell their peers, their colleagues, their supervisors, their friends, hey, I went to this event. It was so great. You should check it out the next time that they host it. Um, That has probably been the most impactful. I think sometimes we forget how quickly um, things can sort of spread via word of mouth. And so that for us has been probably um, the absolute sort of best outside of your traditional sort of um, marketing and things that you would do in that nature.
0: One thing that's uh, really interesting about that is I love that you're using word of mouth marketing. I feel like a lot of people kind of underestimate or maybe like devalue it a little bit, especially now in an age of digital marketing. And I don't think people realize as much as how those kind of work hand in hand. So I think it's great that Mm -hmm. you guys are definitely implementing that. Are there any other tactics that you're using depending on, you know, the event that you're hosting or, you know, maybe information you're trying to get out there?
2: Sure. So I think the last couple things that I'll add, and it'll reiterate some of what I said earlier, is that, um, you know, with Generation Z, again, because they view those social media and online platforms. as really personal space, um, traditional media, traditional advertising actually works really well. Um, and I would say the, the last piece is that we've been really successful in is um, forming relationships with other media in our community. Um, whether that be a blogger who has a following on something similar to you know what we're working on, um, to reporters, photographers, videographers, um, the more that we're really getting our name out there and sharing what we're doing, we've just seen everything grow incredibly and it's just helped our organization form really great connections and then there what we have found is you know especially in media and things they're more inclined to share your news and share what's happening so we get a lot of coverage on our large events um, but now that we've started to build relationships a lot of those organizations will say oh hey you know we covered young professionals week last year what else do you guys have coming down the pike and so that has been um, incredibly helpful for us as well And then I think, you know, one other piece that we've done is, you know, for people who maybe don't know about Engage or they see their friends are participating in our events or their friends are following us on social media, you know, we've done some giveaways as well, either on social media or in our newsletter um, to really entice people to learn a little bit more about us. And, you know, it's things that are relatively, you know, low cost um, for us, but we're spending a little bit of money um, giving away free tickets to our programs, to other things happening in the community, Um, just, you know, using those additional marketing tactics to ensure that you know someone's not afraid um, to, to kind of check out one of our programs because they've never been or they haven't heard about us
1: right and you know kind of going off of that and, and jumping back in a bit to um, you know how you talked about how you also work with um, you know your employer members to give feedback to businesses in the Cleveland area that are managing millennial and Gen Z workers Can you talk about some things that um, our listeners should consider if they do have? a young professional on their staff or even if they're hiring or managing any, you know, YP contractors or freelancers.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So again, these are different generations and <laughs> what has come before so I think the most important thing to really note is that um, young professionals are making a decision about where they want to live, um, typically within 90 days. And it's really important because in prior generations, you just took a job and you went to whatever city you know that ha- happened in. Now people are saying, hey, you no, know, I want to live in XYZ City. And, um, you know, typically, I'd say historically, Cleveland really hadn't been on that list, right? You always heard of places like, you know, Chicago, New York, and LA. And um, now I think Cleveland has made a bit of a comeback. And I also think that especially Generation Z, you know, and and millennials as well, they don't want um, a lot of the the debt that comes with those big cities. And so they're looking at mid-sized metros that have a lot of the same amenities at a lower cost point. Um, So they're looking at places like Indianapolis, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Cleveland, and What we know is that if somebody new moves to your city or somebody moves back, um, you typically have about 90 days to sell them. So it's really important that they love their job, but it's equally as important that they really love the community. And so this these. The young professional generations, both millennials and Generation Z, they really thrive on connectivity and social responsibility and being involved civically um, and that building their own personal network. So you have to connect them to all of those things. Um, a job is simply one piece of their day to day. It doesn't is it doesn't want to find them. And so I always tell employers, um, especially smaller employers or mid market you know, you are not one of those top companies in in Cleveland. You're not the Cleveland Clinic or Sherwin Williams or a brand name that's going to just sell somebody. You really have to do a little bit more. And I think showing your, you know, your new hires and your current staff how you're going to support them and how you're really going to engage them can really go far. Um, I like to say that Engage Cleveland is an extension of internal human resource functions. And so have an organization like Engage Cleveland help to sell the community, help to sell a lot of these amenities and things that, you know, as a small company, you can't do yourself, you know, young professionals want professional development opportunities. Um, most HR, you know, if you have a company of 20 people, you're probably not able to put on a professional development conference for your three young professionals that work there. But you can go to an organization like Engage Cleveland, and there's many others out in the Cleveland um, community, or even some of the other areas nearby, like Akron and Canton, where you can go to that organization, and you can participate in a lot of the programming at a very reasonable cost, and really show, you know, that young talent, Hey, we believe in you. Hey, we want to keep you around. We're really, we're helping you grow, um, both, you know, personally and professionally.
0: Are there any, um, amenities or anything that maybe some of these, I know, like, you know, like the larger companies can maybe sell people on names. Maybe these smaller companies can think about amenities that they could be offering, like, um, maybe working from home or flex time or things like that. Do you find anything specific that, uh, millennials seem to really like or kind of keeps them at a, a job a little bit longer?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll point to specific data that we have from our State of the Young Professional Community report that came out in October of 2019. Um, we asked those specific questions, you know, related to job attributes. So we asked um, nearly a thousand young professionals, you know, what do you want from your job? And um, salary was still number one. You know, a lot of people always say, oh, you know, people don't care about their salary anymore. They still do. <laughs> they still want to make, you know, money. Um, but at the same time, I think the the latter point to that is. People want to make enough money, um, but then they want to have time to actually spend it and enjoy it. And so work-life balance is huge. And that came in um, second for both males and females, Generation Z and millennials on our survey. And so you know, I know every company is different. Um, I, you know, if you're a manufacturer and you have people working on, you know, manufacturing lines, clearly people can't work from home, but I always tell companies to really look at your company, look at your culture, look at what your, the principles that you were sort of built upon and determine what can you do? You know, what are things that you can do and that you could implement? Um, Again, I think, you know, Bill, you kind of alluded to this, but I think, um, you know, Telework is great. People really do enjoy working from home. I think, again, even given now the pandemic that we're living in, we're finding that, you know, companies that said, oh, there's no way we can work from home, like they're figuring out a way to work from home, right? So I think that's a nice um, piece that young professionals really can thrive on. Um, Another one is, is flex time. So You know, if somebody is an early starter and wants to get started at 6 a.m. or they're a late morning person and wants to get started at 9 or they have kids that they have to take care of or a pet or what have you, um, if you can be flexible at all with um, times of of working, I think that is really beneficial as well. Um, Young professionals are always interested in um, professional development opportunity and growth. So if you can either offer things internally or externally or reimbursements or have a professional development budget, um, I think that really goes far as well. So those are just a couple of the suggestions that I would have.
0: I think that's really great advice that you're giving. I think one thing that a lot of employers may even want to consider is like maybe putting the two together, like we're seeing right now with the pandemic, there's a lot of opportunities for people to kind of work from home, like you're saying, but then also train from home. So are you finding any tools helpful or anything that you guys are doing right now to really help uh, reach millennials and Generation Z with, you know, ways to do that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So our team was used to working at home um, one to two days a week, and then going into the office. And outside of that, you know, we spent most of our time really focusing on in person events. And so when the pandemic hit, it absolutely kind of was um, sort of gut wrenching for our team, we had an event planned with 325 women, you know, a couple of days after um, Governor DeWine um, you know, called for the stay at home order. And so we really quickly had to think about how can we pivot and how can we come up on top of this? Um, we really wanted to ensure that we could still meet the needs of our employers and our young professionals and do it in a way that was still exciting. Um, so what we decided to do was really move everything to Zoom um, We're hosting a lot of programs and events um, over Zoom and we have found it to be incredibly powerful. Um, We are encouraging our attendees to put their cameras on so you can still kind of look at people face to face. And so that has been incredibly helpful versus just kind of being on a conference call and not hearing, not being able to put a name with a face. Um, And we're trying to be really innovative as well. So our sessions, we've kind of broke them up into three buckets. So we have our um, CLE education And so on those, we're really focused on different topics that are relevant and sort of top of mind. So we've done everything from working at home to understanding financials during the pandemic. Um, We've also worked on um, what we're calling CLE events. And those um, CLE events are events that we would typically do out in the community, um, but we're doing them via Zoom online. So our Lunch with Leaders event that I mentioned earlier, we're having one leader join us. And we're having young professionals ask them questions and talk just like they would at a round table, but we're doing it, you know, um, digitally. And then we're also doing our um, CLE experiences. And this is probably um, one of the ones that I've been most excited about. Is you know we can't get out into the community to visit some of our favorite local establishments, so we're bringing those to you. Um, we have an event coming up with Cleveland cookie dough company where they're going to teach us how to make cookie dough. And we're going to learn a little bit about more th- their story. Um, we did an event with the Cleveland field kitchen where we learned some new recipes. Um, we're doing an event with uh, the head brewer at Funkenship, which is a part of platform brewery to, you know, learn about the beer making process. Um, so we're still getting, you know, these young professionals to see all of these great amenities and all of these small businesses that we have in our community. Um, we're just doing it in a slightly different way to ensure that we're still engaging our audience, and we're still making those connections that are critical to our mission.
1: I love how Engage Cleveland has pivoted so quickly to produce all this great content. I think, you know, what you're doing is a great example for how other businesses can also, you know, stay like you said, uh, in line with your mission, but just deliver. Uh, deliver that content and value a little bit differently. So just to kind of sum things up, I know we went through a lot of information, but what would be you know several most important things that you want our listeners to walk away with knowing about you know young professionals, millennials, Gen Z um, from this podcast episode?
2: Sure, yeah. So I would say um, the number one thing is just, you know, young professionals are a very important demographic. Um, Both millennials and Generation Z, they have a lot of buying power. They're very influential. They're growing in numbers. And it's just really critical to the future of our community and to our businesses. So I think, you know, making sure that you're giving those young professionals a seat at the table, you're listening to their voices, um, and really acknowledging that this is a really important demographic to focus on. Um, I think the second point would be, that you don't have to do it alone. Um, so to really utilize different organizations to help you. Um, so you know, if there's specific questions around young professionals, um, go to an organization like Engage. If you're focused on you know interns, find an organization there. If it's you know media and video, talk to the talk to you guys at Flex. You know, figuring out who can really help you. Um, to achieve the missions and goals that you've set forth as an organization, not feeling that you have to go at it alone. I think Cleveland is a a community where we're all like one to two degrees of separation away from one another. So really utilizing that, you know, small community feel to ensure that you're doing everything that you can for your organization to grow and thrive, um, especially given where things are currently. And then lastly, you know, I think just remembering that Cleveland is a great place to live and work, um, especially for young professionals. So get out into the community when we can, when we're able to, and experience everything that the community has to offer. Um, Take best practices from other places, network, meet new people, um, and just really take it all in.
1: Ashley, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and, and all the great information you have for our listeners. If you are a young professional or an employer in Cleveland, you definitely want to get connected with Engage Cleveland. And Ashley, what's the, the best way to do that to learn more about the organization and some of your un- upcoming events?
2: Sure. You can find us online at engagecleveland.org. Um, and you can always send us an email to info at
0: Thank you again, Ashley, so much. Really appreciate you coming on and talking to us and our listeners and just giving some great advice about millennials and Generation Z. And I I really feel like a lot of the advice you've given, whether it be social media advice or whether it be advice on, you know, working with millennials or Gen Z or even just how to reach them in in other ways of marketing have been really helpful. And I think people really need to start to consider these things when they're putting their message together. So thank you very much for that.
2: Thank you both for having me. Um, It's been a pleasure.
0: Well, we want to hear from everyone that's listening. So make sure you send us any topics you want to hear or discuss on the podcast at info at flexmediacle.com or feel free to direct message us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. We're pretty much on every platform. So just give us your ideas. Tell us what you want to hear so we can start shaping more content around you. So stay well, everyone, and we'll catch you on the next podcast.
1: Thanks for listening to Watch Time. Make sure to subscribe and share the podcast and leave us feedback on today's episode. That's a wrap.